this week on Dig Me Out. Your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, it's round table time every month. What do we got? New what round we got? table. Well, Jay, we usually do at least once a year a Dig in Your Scene episode. And we always tend to do them late in the year. Last year around this time, we were doing Dayton, Ohio in the in the 90s, which was a fun one. And this year, we put it up for a vote to our patrons. First, we said, give us some suggestions on what cities we should include in the poll. And then from there, our, our board of directors and our steering committee, they voted. These were the losers, Jay. And I'm just putting it out there so that our guests know this is who you defeated <laughs> going into this episode. So with the cities no, you're standing on, yeah, with no votes, Glasgow, Scotland, okay. and then a tie for for second to last place between Detroit, Michigan, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and Manchester, England. Wow! And then the runner-up was Athens, Georgia, <laughs> with the winner, San Diego, California. So Athens and Chapel Yay! Hill suck it. Wow. <laughs> well, those aren't big rock and roll towns anyway. No. Right. Yeah. Have, I don't know of any bands from those particular areas. They're all no bands. probably just malls yeah. and yeah, small colleges. <laughs> so, yeah. Jay, for our San Diego episode, of course, we had a, a long list of bands of, of folks we reached out to. My first thought was, well, this is a band that you and I both – Love. We saw them live basically 20 years ago. I'm speaking of No Knife. We mm-hmm. saw them open for Sunny Day Real Estate at a church in Pontiac, Michigan. In It was like 4th of 20 years ago? Yeah, it was like 4th of July weekend. I'm a, I apologize. You just had like this, you know, flashback <laughs> to Pontiac, Michigan 20 years ago. Uh, so uh, joining us. In the rain. <laughs> Mitch Wilson from, from No Knife. Hi, Mitch. Hi, how are you? We're good. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for acting as our um, liaison to the entire San Diego scene because I reached out to people <laughs> and was completely ignored. And that's okay. I'm just some weird guy with a podcast in Ohio and and nobody knows who this is. And so you used your considerable uh, list of uh, connections in your Rolodex and you hooked us up with couple of folks i'm sure these people are going to know when we when we when we list the 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 guest list for this episode we're going to get some jaws dropped because this is these are like three bands that i, I mean we're, we've listed all these bands so that's kind of crazy usually we get some we get some folks on that the bands are a little lesser known so this is kind of a big deal this episode so also joining us from a we had a, did a previous episode uh, like eight years ago, I don't remember when we did this episode. Jay, do you? With I do. Uh, 2013. It was 2013. 
Yep. Oh, we were so young then. It was such a different <laughs> world. That's when we talked about the band Miniature, and joining us from that band, Mr. John Lee. Welcome, John. Hello. Thanks for having me as well. Thank you for joining us. So this is like serendipity, because you don't live in San Diego. Is that right? This is true. Yeah, I moved to Seoul, South Korea about eh, 10 years ago, and I'm just kind of visiting. Um, and of course, hanging out a lot with Mitch. So he forced me to do this. <laughs> he threatened. He threatened tacos. Yeah, he said, if I don't do this, I don't get tacos. What's a guy to do? Well, I mean, when somebody takes away your tacos, there's only one Withholding thing. Withholding tacos is a crime in most states. It is, especially in California. That's, mm-hmm. that's uh, that'll get you life. Also on on the Rolodex, joining us from the band. Now I I have never heard this word pronounced, but I think it's <laughs> jejun. Is that right, Araby? That that's who uh, that's. That's how the people who never saw us and never heard us play or never heard us say the name ourselves always pronounced it. We always just said Jejun. Jejun. Araby Johnson. And then, and then laughed and then laughed when everybody else said everything else that they said. Araby sorry, yeah, I said I Johnson. It I said Harrison. It's Harrison. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us. And um, Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for correcting my uh, my pronunciation. I got I got a little overindulgent with my pronunciation there, so uh, you know that's uh, pronunciation. In your, in your my... defense, in your defense, that was like ninety nine percent of uh, of what everybody always started with. So okay, all right. We're pronouncing it absolutely correctly. That is a rare. Isn't Jehu occurrence. actually pronounced Yehu anyways, or something like that? <laughs> Technically, mm-hmm. Ye- right? Yeun. Yeah, I, like, I think it's like, like Yehu. Ye- <laughs> I always thought it was Jejune. <laughs> is it a soft J or a hard J? Is it Yimmy Eat World or Jimmy Eat World? That's the that's the question. <laughs> I'm gonna call them that from now on. Yimmy Eat World. <laughs> All right, I've got. I just I just took a drink of water and went down the wrong pipe. Okay, mm. so we've done this before. We've talked about, like I mentioned, Dayton, Ohio. Boston, Massachusetts, Chicago, Illinois, St. Paul and Minneapolis combined episode there. Nice. New York, LA, and now we're adding to our list San Diego. We're going to talk we're going to take a virtual trip back in time and visit the scene in San Diego. Start starting well, I should probably go around the room and ask like when everybody started playing in bands and when everybody started getting into music in their particular um, history. So, Eric, let me start with you. Um, I know that the band formed from from Wikipedia, which I'm sure is 100% correct, that oh yeah, it formed at Berkeley in Boston, right? Yeah, we actually did. We, we started, uh, we all met at Berkeley and started playing in Boston and toured a little starting in Boston, but then it just turned out that once uh, one of the other guys in the band, Joe, was from San Diego, and then they they uh, decided Berkeley wasn't for them, and and uh, we're going to move back to the West Coast, and I just 
sort of happened to be finishing up and followed them. And so we actually moved back to the, he moved back, but I moved to San Diego in 94. Okay. So you weren't originally from San Diego? No, I'm from Hawaii. Oh, okay. Okay. So 94, you arrive in San Diego. That's the start of your story there. Okay. Right. I had visited a few times before. In fact, the first time I came to San Diego, I think I, I don't remember what the, what the club was, but I think it was in 91. And the first show I ended up seeing, a friend of mine took me out to go see Tanner and Fluff. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was 91. So yeah, it sounds about right. Mitch, when, Maybe. when do you start getting into the scene? Are you, well, first of all, are you originally from San Diego or did you move there at some point? Yeah, I'm, I'm from here. Okay. Um, the first, the first band I was ever in, I guess it wasn't really a band. It was like 1985. I was 15 years old. Um, my brother was playing a guitar through the stereo. You know, you know, these have the cassette tape players, and if you stuck your finger in and push that thing down and hit record, then you could play the guitar through the stereo. So my little brother was playing guitar. And then this guy, DDA, was playing upside-down coffee cans on the coffee table. And then our bass player had an actual bass. And I would just, we would do, I was singing because I didn't know how to do anything. And that was called Sub Society. And I, I was in that for like two weeks of trying to do bad exploited covers with different lyrics. And then I got asked to join this band called Violet Boy Scouts. And so I went to sing for that band. But, uh, like, the guitar player wrote all the lyrics and stuff like that. So all I had to do was drink beer and jump up and down and yell and stuff. So it was good. But that was that was the beginning of it. And then later on, uh, there was a band that we used to always play with called Funeral March. And uh, they needed a second guitarist. And I said, well, I don't play guitar, but give me a guitar and I'll figure it out. So I figured it out, and that's how I learned how to play guitar. And, the, like... Our first show, I think, was with uh, Agnostic Front and RKL, and I, I still didn't know how to tune my guitar, so the bass player would reach over in between songs and, and tune me up. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how everything started. So, and nice. that's kind of like a misfits, misfitsy kind of type band. And then once that broke up, uh, there was a couple of years in between, and then and then I tried to get. Uh, what would eventually become No Knife started. So that, I think, I think our first show, or it was, uh, maybe it was a party, maybe, maybe it was a show. Oh, it was at Chabalaba. And that was in October of 93. Okay. So. John, what is your mm. backstory with San Diego? Um, well, I came here in 1984 to go to UCSD and uh uc san diego and um um yeah i i played in a kind of a christian rock band uh we used to cover joy division and wire and stuff like that um but it was part of a kind of some christian group and um and uh i just kind of stayed in san diego started working and and uh basically started a miniature right around i think 1989 something like that Okay. The end. All right. So hold on a second. Jay and I debated this on the, or not debated this, but we talked about this on the episode about, is it a miniature or miniature? 
It's whatever your heart tells you to think. <laughs> oh, we got another <laughs> J. June situation here where we're... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the more confusing, the better. Yeah, no, you know, all, all it was is uh, it was originally miniature, and then I found out there was some like, jazz trio called that, and uh, um, and for some reason I just wanted to put an A in front of it and and did a capital M, kind of like in tribute to Firehose, because uh, they used to spell their name with a lowercase F, and then everything else was capitalized. And um, yeah, and it, but really, there's. There's absolutely no no rule or, or sense in that name. You see, we debated other options, like what if you did like miniature parentheses SD for San Diego or miniature X? Because like Bush was called Bush <laughs> X in Canada because there was already a band called Bush. Or the Frames were called Frames DC in the, in the United States for some reason. So we we were debating all sorts of different options for because well, I'm we sure I'm that. sure the five people that care about the band don't give a shit <laughs> I, I, miniature uk there you go <laughs> miniature glasgow i assure you from our from our download uh, numbers there are more than five people i guarantee you that a couple folks have already mentioned talking about venues what i would like to know is where are you cutting your teeth at when you're when you're starting out as in in the late 80s 90s that period what venues are there any that still exist or are are they mostly you know lost to the uh to the developments at this point um where are the place and where are the places not only are you playing but where are you going to see bands during this period um John I'll start with you um you know back in um gosh the mid 80s is when I started to play I think the spirit was kind of the main place that, that I knew about. It, it, wasn't very, it wasn't very punk rock. It was kind of where cover bands and rock bands and whatever. Um, Mitch can probably talk to you about more of uh, the underground, all-ages places. Um, but, you know, right after The Spirit, it was places like 2581, uh, Megalopolis, the, these tiny little places where all kinds of different groups uh, hung out and performed. Um, it, I, none of them exist anymore. You know, okay. as far as I know. Yeah, that's the usually the story with most <laughs> places. Sure, but but Mitch, I mean, when you were doing all those other bands, um, where'd you guys play? Well, a lot of that stuff. Um, there were no there were no real set venues. Um, cops really really liked to shut down everything that everybody was doing. So, but uh, Tim Mays and. Uh, God, I want to say tied down and, you know, John Reese, even like there were, there were people that would just throw shows and they would do shows at Adams Avenue and Fairmont hall. And, uh, the first show I ever went to, I think it was 15 and I went to see seven seconds and doggy style at the Jackie Robinson YMCA. So most of the, most of the shows that everybody had were at just, you know, wherever they could find a venue and, and, then they'd have some punk rock shows and then everybody get thrown out and, you know, not asked back and all that. But, um, like the first, Oh, but during the whole time there was K cafe, which was on the campus of UCSD. That's and right. Like an all ages place. It was, they always had shows just as long as I can remember. And they were always about to get shut down. Like, Oh my God, Jay's closing in three months. I've been hearing that since 
84, 85, something is like that. that's still and open? I think, I think it, they're, they're we, still going. We played at yeah. least, yeah, we, we played at least two. This is our last show ever, and we're closing shows uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least. <laughs> I'm glad they've been able to keep it open, though, because, I mean, it, it was yeah. a cool place to see some weird bands. And, like, I remember seeing, like, like Green Day played there when they were a small band and at the drive-in and, I don't know, Get Did, Kids. I, and then, you know, Scardinella played there. And, uh, and it's like a minor forest. All those groups played there, right? Yeah, it was, it was just crazy mm-hmm. good place for shows. And it sounded like shit. And the PA was just, you know, yeah. whatever somebody could bring or somebody could patch together or things like that. So it sounded horrible. But it was all ages. It was surrounded by forests, so... All the all ages kids could go into the forest and, you know, smoke pot, take acid, and drink beers, and you know, or or when it got to be the emo era, do nothing. So so I had the whole forest to myself. <laughs> I felt kind of weird because by that time I was in my you know late twenties, early thirties, and I'm standing in a bush drinking a beer, you know, and all the everybody else is just inside. Going like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> so. But then later on, like in in the in the what was it late late eighties, early nineties, when Casbah opened. That's right. Yeah. So like Casbah really kind of kicked things off, uh, as far as like all of a sudden it just kind of became this little scene because it was kind of down by the airport and what was the capacity like 80, 80 people or something. Very, then, very small. You know, yeah. Yeah. But you know what, then, you it, know, like you were saying, that the Casbah, that first version of the Casbah, really, uh, yeah, it drew all kinds of different bands. I mean, punk rock uh, bands, pop, whatever. And it, yeah, really kind of formed the San Diego scene. But Jesus Lizard, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, like yeah. Ur- Urge Overkill. And, you know, we, I was too young, so I'd just sit on this little green electrical box with all the other kids drinking beers. And, you know, you'd see all these bands walk by and then all these and, and then all these local bands started playing there all the time, too. And it, it kind of just created this this scene. So, you know, what I think is like really important about that Casbah thing is, um, you know, any scene can exist, you know, for eternity without getting any better unless there's a real sense of competition and uh, one upsmanship. And when you see national bands coming through and playing a 70-person club and a, and a local band opening, it, I think it just really makes everybody try harder, you know? Yeah. And it really, yeah. I think it made our, my band better. Interesting. Yeah. So is that, mm-hmm. is that a particular mm-hmm. area where there's a, a number of places in one spot, or is this kind of spread out in terms of all these locations that you're talking about? Spread out. All of San Diego is Way very spread out. Spread All out. Of San Diego <laughs> is spread out. Okay. <laughs> that's 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 the problem with San Diego. It's like it's like a like a big giant little town, but everything is everything is just so like UCSD is you know twenty miles away from the Casbah, or you know which is you know five miles from Bodie's, which is you know yeah everything. Yeah, like really, everything there's, there's, is at least there's no fifteen minutes club. from where you are. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So you kind of had to pick your place, and that's where you'd be for the night. So. Okay. And a lot of the time in that early in that early era was the Casbah because they had this really cool parking lot 
where everybody could park and hang out and things like that. So, and then they moved down the street. Like you can see the old Casbah from the new Casbah. So, but the new Casbah is a lot larger and a lot more accommodating. Mm. But yeah, the early the early days it was it was really the Casbah and maybe Bodie's downtown. Did you guys play Bodie's? Was Bodie still around Araby when J June was playing? No, it wasn't around. But I I I feel like that's that might have been where I saw those shows in '91. Oh, you know it what was happened? Downtown. It was downtown. Yeah, it was right in the middle of downtown. But I think yeah. that place collapsed when John put his headstock through the wall. <laughs> Wasn't that you, John? Oh, Did my God. That? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the guitar, killed, the guitar was, the guitar was fine. Bodies. No, killed no, just, just put a little hole in the wall. Oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, youth. <laughs> Yeah, and then Brett Bodie tried to duct tape it, and then it just rotted from the inside, and the whole building fell, and it's all your fault. Kind of like all of our <laughs> souls. A lot. You killed the scene. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and I shall exit this interview now. Yeah. <laughs> you freaking kids. So where where else was there to play? Like, Airby, where did you guys play a lot? There was that place in Mira Mesa, which is also there was 25 a place, miles away from anything Oh, else. my God. There was, there was, there was a couple of places that, like, I can't, like you were saying before, I think there was a place out in, in El Cajon. Um, Soul Kitchen. There was, yeah. Soul Kitchen was an all-ages place. And then Mesopotamia, right, right. too. Yeah. Which was also um, all-ages. But then, I mean, other than that, we played the, we, we played the shape. But, on, I mean, to be honest, like, we were, we were on tour quite a bit like we we that's true we absolutely played more out of town than we ever did in town um yeah but but in terms of like seeing shows i mean it, it was i think it's like you said it was just sort of scattered for a while all over uh, the place until until there really was no other place left to play that would let anybody back except for <laughs> places like the Shea and, and the casbah mm. yeah yeah you there know was what, a though? place for a while on 30th called Zanth. Or do you remember that? It was like 30th and El Cajon, yes. which is I do like remember North, that. North Park area. And it was called, yeah, was, there were a couple, I want to say it was yeah, the Empire Club or Zamp or something like that. So, yeah. Oh, that's so the thing, like, you know, there's a lot weird. of name, name changes as well. Yeah. People yeah. like, to, like there, you know, there was the one that was up on, on, uh, on Adams and 30th. That was like what two tuba bands, and then oh. like before it was something else, and there was something else before that too. Oh, and they changed it at one point. It was it was called Godzilla Paradise, and I just <laughs> wanted to hang out there just because of the name. <laughs> Where are you guys going tonight? We're going to Godzilla Paradise. <laughs> well, you that's the other what, thing though? that I think is worth no, mentioning is that there were not only not only were there like all ages clubs that would like kind of like flash in the pan, you know, like have a show and then be gone. But there were numerous dive bars where people played shows that were, you know, oh. an owner for like a couple months and then another owner for a couple months. And so the name mm-hmm. changes of a lot of the of the bars where you could play were, you know, just constant as well. Yeah. Like that place and tons of other places. It was a city in flux. But I tell you what, um, <laughs> I think that actually had something to do with why San Diego had such a vibrant music scene between the mid 80s and the mid 90s. Um, I live in Seoul, South Korea, and I live basically 
in the neighborhood where all the clubs are, where all the bands play. And they're yeah, like 30 clubs, you know, and bars. And it's almost too easy, right? And I think when mm-hmm. uh, when bands play all over the, t- uh, the city and people have to decide what they're going to see, um, I just kind of feel like it made bands and club owners work just a little harder to, to get the right, you know, set of groups for the night, you know, that could draw the most people. Um, it'd make bands work harder to invite people, you know. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? It just made everybody work yeah. harder. That's why I thought I thought it, it just made all the bands better here. Yeah. yeah so what were some of the bands, what were some of those bands that maybe are are not as well known outside of San Diego, but were on the local level bands that you you know John you mentioned about there being a competition there were what were those bands that you guys were like damn that's a good band but maybe never hit that level of making a national impact do you guys remember Rose Tattoo and Def Leppard so good <laughs> <laughs> first record especially you know yeah I don't know. I think there were just uh, a ton of groups. God, I, um, it was so long ago, but I'm sure there were some great ones. Somebody help me out here. Well Strung to Hang, Chinchilla. Oh, oh, that's um, right. That's right. Uh, actually, Tristessa went international. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, like, there were, there were a lot. Like, uh, what was Mark Monteith's band? There's, there's a compilation called I'm a Mess, the IMS music conference compilation i think it was you know 93 or something like that and it has a whole bunch of like looper and johnny superbad and the bullet catchers and any number of the chris squire bands like toya and you know right there were there were a ton and it seems like a lot of people were kind of sharing band members too that's right. And, oh, yeah. and some of those some of those unsung heroes um those are the groups that you know, future national acts would copy from or borrow from, Mm -hmm. you know, so um, there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, yeah, I just can't think of any of the other really good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody hand me a beer. Yeah, (laughs) there's there's Bud Light in the fridge. Wait, can you bleep that? I want them to get any extra money. (laughs) Oh, Airbnb. Airbnb probably has a lip. (laughs) There, there are so many, I mean, when, when we were in, when we, when we were in Boston and there's, you know, there's, there's one guy from our band who was from San Diego, you know, he would, he, and I had already visited, so I'd kind of seen a couple of bands and heard some, I had, a, I had several friends who, who lived in San Diego. So I was hearing about, you know, all these shows that they were going to, um, it, it just seemed like it was all like, it was really confusing because, you know, I'd hear like, there's this band and then that person is also in this band and then this band is also like this guy and this guy. And it was really hard to keep it straight because every, to me, it seemed everybody was in everybody's band. And there was like these giant revolving, like combinations (laughs) of people who just all played in various bands together. It seemed like, um, and you get that a little bit with like, you know, um, fishwife turns into Tanner turns into beehive or, you know, pitchfork turns into, you know, like, Jehu and turns into like I mean it's just this constant sort of like like you know root system or tree that just keeps spreading out with <laughs> things connecting all over the place. 
Yeah. So it's hard to think of just yep. one because there's, it's all the same people who are amazing. It's kind of more San Diego seems to me like it's more of a, of the people and the musicians who are here that mm. that are that are the, that are what makes it special and not necessarily like specific bands because they're all everybody's all in bands together. Some names that I yep. while doing my research and see if you guys have any any feedback on them. Yeah, Creedle. Is that name? Oh, of yeah. course. <laughs> oh yeah. They <laughs> seemed interesting. Yeah, they're holy shit. They had a lot yeah. going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, a no, band- no, 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 no. Band- really good, really good stuff going on. Like the it, it took some involved listening. Okay, but but worth it. Um, Crash worship. Yep. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> that yeah that that was actually one of the bands that kind of made that kind of set San Diego on its ear a little bit as far as they would play at Che Cafe, they would play at all these things, and uh, you know just nudity and giant snakes and blood and fire and <laughs> like it was an experience it was an experience and, was, and, and was it was it was kind of scary to go what's that Would that was the same part the nudity the snakes that was that was oh, the yeah. same part the nudity the snakes yeah. the blood that oh, was, that, was yeah, before the, the the that was the palatable stuff <laughs> it was huh. actually it was it, you never knew what was going to happen at a crash worship show and it was it was kind of scary but really exhilarating too so, but it it was just mostly you know drums and you know kind of droney <laughs> stuff like that. But it it like whenever they played, it was it was an event. Gotcha. Um, and the punk rock kids gave them you know like what is this shit? But they would still go to every show, you know. Right, right. Um, a band that we reviewed many years ago, Jay, you might remember, Lucy's Fur Coat. Oh yeah, the bass player right. of Funeral March. That was his new band. We played with them a couple of times. They were more, they were more kind of like that kind of Stone Temple Pilots type sound, a little more mainstream stuff. Gotcha. Great bunch of guys. That was gonna yeah, be my they, next band. Kind of, <laughs> Stone Temple they kind Pilots. Of achieved, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who? No, they kind of achieved like they got out of town kind of early on, and and you know made made had some good success so okay wait i hope you guys say night soil man in there somewhere well, night soil man i, I don't yeah. that's not on my list what tell me about them does anybody remember them um yeah um, my an early version of a miniature played with them a bunch at a tiny club um uh, called 2581 that was the address on university avenue yeah it's a juice it's and, a juice shop now <laughs> No, yeah, aren't they all? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it was just this cute little club uh, that had just, uh, geez, I mean, it, it was like punk rock kids. It was like uh, artists, and it, it was just the cutest place on earth. But we used to play with Night Soul Man all the time and Rose, who was the singer. 
just uh-huh. a force of nature, just an amazing voice. And of course, that's Mark, the drummer from Jehu. Uh, that was uh, his first big group in San Diego. And, and Mike. Um, and Mike Kennedy, right, from Jehu as well. And Mike yeah, Kennedy, I totally right. forgot about that. That was half of Jehu right there. That's right. And they were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, there's Definitely a, worth checking out. There's a band I came across who their moniker is they're the scariest band in the world. Do you know Deadbolt. who? Deadbolt. 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 <laughs> who the hell is Mrs. Valdez? <laughs> they were another right. they were another staple. Um, oh, John, I'm sure you have some funny stories about Deadbolt. Well, I have a story about a house that I think, Mitch, you lived in as well for a while. We were all, you know, uh, that's another thing about, you know, these little indie scenes is uh, we all live together, right? In these houses, like six six band guys. And one day we were all just hanging out, drinking, smoking cigarettes, whatever. And Harley walks in, as he does, and uh, he said something like, um, hey, hey, look at this. He picks up a phone book and just rips the thing in half. And at that point, no I said, I said, I am never going to make that man angry. <laughs> <laughs> he um, there was another place called the Ken Club that Deadbolt used to play with. And it was after Bodie's, but the same owner that I worked at. But uh, Deadbolt used to play there, you know, all the Halloween shows and things like that. And uh, they were this scary kind of like cramps kind of style vibe but with the this, this singer named Harley Davidson who just talked shit to the crowd the whole time and stuff. It was really funny. <laughs> but they had, this, they had this drummer, Les, who used to play drums, but he, was, he would sit on this like, bar stool, you know, like wooden leg bar stool. And uh, that was his kind of shtick. He was kind of sitting up on that thing playing the drums. But just to fuck with him, like Harley would saw just a little bit more off the bottom of the legs every show. <laughs> so it just would get lower and lower and lower, but not so much as he'd notice. But after a while he's like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, and they would just, they would just do shit like that to each other, but, and to the crowds. So, so clearly band. a band they were, that they were did, yeah, they were, and and they, you could tell they weren't a band that had you know obvious aspirations for stardom, but um, they were just so in their own way so unique, humorous, and um, they really were the scariest band in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, a name that came up across multiple bands, it, it, not in terms of fronting them, but just having some sort of interaction, <laughs> is Rob Crow. Um, from a yeah. band called Heavy Vegetable, also has connections to uh, Creedle and Pinback and some other ones. Goblin, um, Goblin Cock. Cock. <laughs> Excellent. Airby, you want to take this one? <laughs> I'm not taking any Goblin Cock. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, no, I mean... Oh. I mean like, yeah, oh! I, I guess if, if they don't know about Rob Crow, they need to know about Rob Crow. They don't us. know about Rob I mean, that's Crow. Kind of, you know, that's, that's that's what I was talking about before. You know, it's it's more the people than necessarily the bands, because that's certainly a person in San Diego that has played with just about everybody in various incarnations of various bands, and is you know on so many other people's whose bands he's technically not in, but probably on their record. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's the person and, and, you know, not the band. 
Frisbee by but Heavy great, Vegetable I mean, was one of my favorite records of that time period. Most of the songs were under minutes long. Frisbee, Heavy Vegetable. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm bookmarking that right now. I don't think it's on that Spotify, be, but know, I think you should find be, it on YouTube. That okay. might be a turning point also if we're talking about San Diego sound. You know, like there was certainly like a, a certain... A certain type of sound up and up into a point and then heavy vegetable i feel like was probably one of the turning points toward another a new sort of san diego sound or things that people mm-hmm. recognize as sounding like it's from san diego yeah more north county <laughs> lucadia sounding true yeah yeah which, which brings us to boilermaker right have you guys heard have you guys heard boilermaker well, descri- describe that sound for us. Like, what is yeah. the difference? Like, what's the shift? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Do your best. It, I mean, it is hard. I, it, I, it might be a little bit easier for me because because I I didn't I didn't grow up here, so it's I I started out having more of a outside perspective of it, so I kind of recognized it as the sound of San Diego before I was in it. But um, you know, it kind of started out with with uh, a lot more of the thing that, that, you know, the people who signed Seattle were after lots of like, it was heavier. There was more rock. There was, it was more, you know, this sort of like loud and aggressive thing. And then all of a sudden it kind of turned a little bit mathier. It got a little bit more up in people's heads and there was a little bit more, you know, not silliness, but there was a little bit more perhaps like, you know, braininess to it i guess i don't know i'm using mm-hmm. awkward adjectives but but it works it, yeah it, you, you know what i mean it was like first it was kind of in your face and then it was sort of turned into up in your head yeah no that i think that's a perfect point because that sound up until then was kind of uh angry young white guy you know with big guitar and then mm-hmm. yeah the whole thing with heavy vegetable you're right absolutely right it just got a little more mathy intellectual humorous um yeah it's a great way to describe it and sweet a little bit right mm-hmm. right so sweet smart sort of nerdy young white guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> who wasn't so angry anymore so was that yeah. was that right around the same time that album leaf was uh happening no Album Leaf was later after Tristeza. Album Leaf was much later. Tristeza sort of grew out of 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 that. Well, that I, I don't know. I mean, that could that could sort of be a new like a new page, because um, they really went with a little bit more of a. Um, I don't know. I think the world might have been seeping into San Diego at that point because there was a lot more influence mm. maybe from out of the the borders of San Diego than within. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's true, huh? I didn't think about. It. You know, know what I mean? Because I think I think that's sort of when 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 because that because stuff like Tristeza and things that started to get a little bit more instrumental and and focused on like, you know, like craft not craft but but uh, I don't know theory and and yeah like paying attention to what you're doing having a, a more reason arrangements. Uh, <clears throat> stumbling arrangement thank you but like you know a little bit more influence of maybe paying attention to other things that were happening outside of of just san diego i think it's important also to note that that you know san diego probably sounds a lot like san diego does because it's really isolated it's hard to tour from san diego it's hard uh-huh. it's, it's hard to go anywhere so 
I mean, you got to drive unless you're talking about L.A. You got to drive at least five to seven or plus even more than that hours before you get anywhere that's you know got another place to play. So. Uh, you know, unless there's big, big national acts coming through, like there's not a lot of, it's not like the East coast where like you drive 20 minutes and you can play a show and then it's another 20 yeah. minutes and then you can play <laughs> another show. And, mm. and it's, it's, so there's a lot more, there's a lot more, you know, like the music community is a lot more spread out, whereas here it's very isolated. So a lot of what you see here, I think as a result is, is things that, I mean, I, I use the word incestual almost because it sort of thrives on itself and other things of its ilk that are all in this same area. So you get this like yeah. really strong sense of this is what San Diego sounds like. I know. And, and it was only when like, you know, bands like that started touring a lot more that like they come back with like, Ooh, you know, I heard this or I, I have this idea mm. or there's this other band. And of course, technology yeah. event, you know, eventually plays a huge role in that as well. But at first, I mean, you, you get what you hear here because that's what was here and it was sort of isolated. Yeah, there's a there was a period of time like late eighties to mid nineties where I rarely listened to stuff outside of San Diego band. Like there was there was enough here like, oh, this is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Other than other than, you know, Susie and the Banshees and the Cure and, you know, old frothy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but John, did, but I mean, did I think ever... it was a good thing though, because it really, it really, like, it really strengthened what San Diego was, and like, it made people here really, you know, pay more attention to to each other and what the bands around here were doing than you know than it getting sort of diluted with various people moving in and out. I mean, not that that didn't happen, but right. you know, I think, I think but it was yeah, a good thing. it's true. Yeah, it's definitely true. That's what happened. Everybody started, you know, like, listen to Zach play bass on three mile pilot like what is that and you know listen to john lee and you know like all this kind of stuff it was, it, mm-hmm. it was absolutely true yeah yeah since you had this isolated scene um and it, and it was you know of itself was was media a factor? Did you have, was it like a college radio station that played bands or, or supported them in any way? Or was there a weekly paper or a zine that was covering the scene at that time? Oh, sure. We have, uh, uh, the reader, which came out, what, every Thursday we had all, all kinds of zines started by friends and fans. And, um, uh, yeah, because the scene was so kind of insular and, and incestuous, we all knew about all of these things. So whenever we read a zine, we knew about the next band coming up. And um, I, at least for me anyway, the late 80s, early 90s, it was really easy to um, to feel a part of something. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stampone was right for the reader. And then Larry and like, yeah, they were writing about all of everybody doing stuff in San Diego. And you know, another yeah. thing here is um, whenever you go play a, a show, at least half of the audience were other band members. So if you, I, I recall right. breaking a string and Devin from Creedal was on the side and I just give him my guitar and I do the same for him. And um, <laughs> just by virtue of all these people kind of becoming friends, um, it really strengthened everything. The writer, David Stampone, 
uh, he, you know, we were roommates for a while and, um, and he went to practically every show and, um, all the fanzine dudes were, were always there. So it was, a God, you know, there, there was a stretch of time when, when it felt like things were just magical. <laughs> as far as, uh, oh, and also loud, loudspeaker, Marco Collins, I think started oh, loudspeaker that's right. and then, and then Lou oh, Niles yeah. took it over on a, on a radio station called 91X. So every Sunday you could mm-hmm. listen and you could listen to your friends' bands and sometimes your band would get played on there if you sent them a tape. And like I remember early on, like Fishwife and Pitchfork being on the radio and, you know, listening in going like, oh, my God, you know. And, and you know what? Mitch, you know. Yeah, Mitch makes a really good point there, too, because I'm, I'm sure most, you know, most music scenes have some sort of radio station, college station or whatnot. But um, the bands that we were hearing from San Diego on these radio stations sounded like real bands. You know what I mean? Um, they, yeah. they didn't sound like your average local band. So it was really inspiring. Yeah, for sure. Fun and is- don't discount the power of Mexican food either. Cause that drives the San Diego <laughs> music scene to this day. <laughs> well, you know, part of, uh, in talking about other scenes is you have to have cost of living as a, as a, like a thought process in this. And there's always like a cheap food option for people to go for bands to have to, you know, have access to, because a lot of times mm-hmm. they're college students or they're, or they're even younger than that. And they, you know, at, when the show's over at 2 AM or whatever, you know, where are you going to go to get some food? La Posta. <laughs> La right. Posta. I'm going to say La Posta, of course. <laughs> and we're happy to advertise that. Yeah. I'll be contacting them for, uh, wait, is, is it still open? The post? Uh, yeah, yeah. I oh. think and they're, so. They're, yeah. Their salsa still, still tastes like, yeah, but in a good way. <laughs> oh in, a good way. in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yummy. So, where did, uh, what was the record store scene like at that time? Was there an abundance or was there a main place that you guys went to for, for records? And I guess, you know, either CDs or, or vinyl or tapes or whatever you're getting at that point. Um, well, when I first moved here, it was 1984. And uh, the only record store I knew first off was assorted vinyl. Uh, it was on the, the campus of UC San Diego. And um, it was a cool record store. It's where, you, you know, I, I could find kind of hard to find Joy Division vinyl and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, off the record you know, which was uh, in the heart of San Diego and, and just a, a bunch more, really. There which was Blue Meanie, Blue Meanie Records mm, was in, right. uh, like, way out in El Cajon, so you'd have to make a road trip. But then you could find that weird Funboy 3, 7-inch and, you know, all these weird records. But it seemed like Off the Record was the place for, like, the good punk rock stuff because uh, Cliff from Social Spit, worked there and like all these you know punk rock older guys that knew all the good bands and, and then lose records and they did, North they that's right yeah they would they would do a bunch of in-stores too we played yeah. we played in-stores there they would always have in-stores bands coming through town or releasing an oh, yeah. album or something would play would play an in-store and that's well, that also one, it was, that was also uh, that was the newer one yeah it was also a great place to meet people because i remember um i think this was 
pro- probably just before uh, uh, a miniature really started, I went to London for, I just, I don't know, maxed out my credit card, and I saw a band called Swerve Driver there. And um, mm-hmm. I, I came back, went off the record, and uh, I said, hey, do, do you guys have any Swerve Driver? And uh, the, the two people working there just said, what? How the hell do you know about Swerve Driver? And uh, I said, well, I just saw them in London. I said, oh, my God. Yeah, and they had one little EP. And uh, one of those people ended up being a great friend of mine, uh, Julie Dick, who would later play with uh, – she played with Drip Tank, then Chinchilla. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it was just, a, you know, the kind of place where you could go and just meet a bunch of people. And I'm sure bands formed just from dudes hanging out there, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. As far as – recording are there was there studios in or or was it like a more of like a home situation somebody have a studio set up in their basement or what's what was that situation like in terms of actually getting stuff recorded <laughs> go ahead <laughs> who, who me yeah or okay Arabi. well because i'm oh, the old Arabi. guy here yeah. right yes huh <laughs> well, well you, you just you go in order you were doing you were doing actual recordings before we were all of us. Um, well, what I was going to say was there's a there were back when they always did people tablets, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pieces of bread. Um, there was always somebody with some sort of you know uh, four track recorder who wanted to record bands. So there's no shortage of, of people that you can call upon. Uh, but people like uh, Richard Blitz, he had a home studio. Uh, a guy named Jeff Forrest who had another home studio and, and they were just all in their living rooms and garages. Uh, but they had, you know, legitimate equipment. So, and the, and the recording costs were super cheap. So just about anybody could go in there and do a couple of songs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, and we, then we later, to, then later it was, it was, uh, some of some of these people like kind of found people who had, you know, Maybe like like up in North County with Big Fish found found somebody who who uh, actually had like had built a legit legitimate studio in their backyard, mm. um, uh. or like Jeff Forrest who actually you know found a found a spot out in Santee for a while. Yeah, yeah, double time, and also in North mm-hmm. County was there was there were a lot of people that went to Miracosta College because they had a recording program. So like Trombino went there and I think like like Chris Prescott and like Karen from Boilermaker and you know Rob Crow and like a whole bunch of people and they started they started like doing recordings so of like a lot of the North County bands in particular. Yeah, then, so there's a lot of band then, guys do getting involved, yeah. Yeah. But right. then but then when uh Trombino started recording bands at Big Fish that and then and Mark Trombino would record them and then Cargo would put them out. It seemed like, you know. So for a while there, it was yeah, there's like, like, like a yeah. pipeline. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah, so that 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 was kind of a that was kind of a big time. But it, uh, we we just found all these weird little random places, you know, in PB, and somebody would record you and it would sound absolutely terrible. You know, but I don't know. I mean, it was, I always had it a was bad later... experience recording <laughs> early on. 
for us and, and not and this wasn't JG and this was actually Andor's later, but we you know, uh-huh. we it was a garage thing and it was it was uh it was later in the nineties, but it was Gar had a really great setup yeah. in, in a garage for a while. The A track. Um Yeah. That was that and then that we, like great. Man, that uh I love that was a fantastic recording process, and mm-hmm. I love that record. It turned out really great. What was it great. called? All Thanks Black to Uh The no, the album was called Will Self Destruct. Oh no, that that was your yeah, that was your that was the hit single. That was the album. But the oh, was there a hit single? I don't know. I guess it was Flex Clock. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But Check again, that, that was like too. another like that was Chris. That was it was me and Danny was from New Orleans, but and um. Chris Wassel, who had played with Crash Worship, and then Lane, who was what Swivel Neck and and other variants, right? Yeah. yeah. And that band sounded great. Pick that record up. The and slash oars. <laughs> when did that come out? Was it is it early two thousands? That was, it was probably right on the cusp. I think it was like 90, 99, 2000. Okay. It, was, it was right around, right around I, the that end. That name of, sounds real familiar. Of the 90s. Yeah. Didn't you guys tour with, I don't know, Death Cab or something and somebody jealous sound or? Yeah. I thought there was, the, I, like, was, Holiday Matinee made a little blurb about it, like a little film. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was it was us and, and, and Death Cab and, uh, um. Oh my gosh! I thought it was the jealous, jealous sound. sound. Jealous yeah. sound. Yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you. gonna ask what was the what's the um label situation like are there I, i'm assuming that there are probably some home labels that you know people put out a couple of their friends bands but are there any uh, any of the labels that you guys were on that were local or were those you know regional or national labels or are there any labels that are, are notable from the area during that time i mean one of the hugest ones that comes to mind for me is 31g mm-hmm Justin, uh, Justin, Justin Pearson's label, because he was like, you know, and that's we haven't really talked about that sort of side of San Diego, but like all of the music that he's been involved with has been another huge aspect, a huge part of of what San Diego is, which is kind of that that much more intense, aggressive kind of like, I don't know, I don't know the proper adjective for what that's what, what what people would call it, but it's just like punk, like really, really, really intense punk rock. And like all of the bands that he put out, he, he put them out and his records and tons of other label, sorry, tons of other bands from San Diego. Like that was, that was him and, and his label. Yeah. So that's so Justin from the, the Locust. Bands, it was like, yeah, it's the Locust. Oh, okay. From the Locust, and then, right. And then they put out like, what, Crimson Curse and 
some girls and and but they would do a bunch yeah, of national just, stuff too. Oh, good God! Would, I just yeah. remembered another band. What? Clickatatikatawi. Uh, oh, Clickatatikatawi! Oh my God! Yeah, they were they, an amazing band. Didn't their album come out on Goldenrod? Goldenrod. <gasps> yes, Golden. I mean, that was that was another huge, huge like. That, that I mean, I remember just even before I moved here. That was like, if it was on Goldenrod, I was like, yep, I'll, <clears> I'll take that. Huh? Yeah, they put out a lot of seven inches and stuff, but then they put out. Yeah. Then they put out like uh, the first Boilermaker. They put out the first No Knife. They put out like a Tanner and No Knife split. They put out the Clickatat Ikatawi record was nuts. Really good stuff. So that's so Golden Mario. Records, that was another yeah. one. So that's Mario Bacalo from, he plays in a, what does he play now? Like Rocket. A million Rocket the Crypt, right? Rocket. A million Yeah, what, what doesn't he play in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What X factors are we missing? Like, are there folks that are important to the scene that maybe aren't necessarily in bands, but maybe were involved in promotion or, or, or journalists or that sort of situation where they're not necessarily, you know, you know, fronting a band, but they have a, a, you know, I'll use an example here in Columbus. There's a person uh, named Joel who ran a website from very early on, like as soon as the internet popped up, he was like, I'm building a website and really like built a scene for all, all the people in Columbus to promote shows and, and do, do reviews of CDs and seven inches and, and that kind of stuff. And it's still archived and it's still, you can still go and see all these starting in, in like 1994, 1995, whenever, you know, that popped up in the original, like just text version he used to actually print it out once a week and hand it out at at shows for people to read who didn't have computers. Is there any is there anyone like that that's just a, a part of the scene but not necessarily at a band level? Wait, so the, a quick question here: What was his last name? Treadway, Joel Treadway. Oh, okay, no, different guy. So you're asking like if there was kind of like a Brian Epstein of San Diego, right? Sure, uh, uh, you know they could be a. a that level or, or someone who's just a positive influence on getting the scene attention. I just think there are just so many. I mean, the obvious names are like people like Tim Mays, you know, obviously, but there's so many other people. Tim Mays, number one. And, and Dave Stampone. Yep. That's right. And Harlan Ellison, or Harlan Shipman, sorry. People who would write, people who would write about (laughs) us, people who would like, you know, people who would write about the music, people who would like give you place play like those, those. I mean, we've already kind of mentioned Jeff Mott, I, I, Joe and Sam, uh, Joe Austin and Sam Shamus that opened Livewire. Yeah, that was like a hub. Um, yeah, um, Brett Bodie in his strange little way. Um, but who else? Who like as far as writing? Who's the guy that that wrote like? Uh, Crawdaddy, and then uh, there there was like Mike Stacks did, did like ugly things, and like there's just there's just so many different people that that I'm trying to think of more people that were were really there was Lou Niles and Tim Piles, 
from the various radio stations, but doing the local shows. Right. Like Tim Piles has been a soldier for local music in San Diego just as long as he's been on the air and at whatever station he's at. You know, in Lou Nile, mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. Um, and then the guy Marco but, kind of started things off and moved away. But Tim Tim Mays is like the one that put San Diego on the map as far as that goes with with putting on shows and then the Casbah. And then you also yeah. have people like Greg Jacobs, who was Rocket from the Crips manager, yeah. um, and he was he was pretty instrumental in getting the word out. And Gary Hustwit. Um, uh-huh. who managed a miniature for a while. Uh, he did the uh, IMS um, independent music seminar thing. Um, <clears throat> and all those, uh, there's so many people Bart that either Mendoza. Man- Bart Mendoza. Yeah, Bart Mendoza right. from Manual Scan. And all these people were, were getting the word out, you know, outside of San Diego. Um, yeah, just so many people. Thanks, people. Yes, thanks. <laughs> uh jay did i miss any topics that we normally cover for these things they hit everything uh yeah i think you hit them all i mean you you touched on a bunch of bands i guess is is there is there one that maybe people could go find you know on a streaming service that you guys remember that you know largely got forgotten but was maybe a big deal for you or you were really um you know, found them to be maybe uh, underachievers or thought they could be, you know, could could have done more. Truman's Water. Absolutely right. But they, they got out. They like did. John, they did. John Peel loved them. Oh. Yeah. Like, that. that's one band that I thought, like, I just, that blew my mind. The first, yeah. the, like, that was the thing that made me go, like, what the hell is going on in San Diego? Yeah. Like, what? What is in the water? Something is, something's weird about San Diego, and I want to be there. <laughs> I mean, you know, like a. Oh, yep. Inch, of course, is another great band. Tourette's Latrec, Beehive and the Barracudas, Uncle Joe's Big Old Driver. Yep. The Dragons. But I think the interesting thing about Truman's Water was that. Um, God, in a weird way, they, they kind of told the whole story of San Diego, you know, uh, what we're talking about, really aggressive guitar rock, very angular, then kind of mathy, but they also had a, a sense of humor, you know. Um, right. Yes, they, they just kind right. of encapsulated everything that we just talked about, really, so that Truman's is probably a great example. Yeah. Wait, I'm, I'm reading about them quickly here, and it says the drummer was 69 years old. <laughs> is that true? Uh, nah. For, oh, he yeah, looks yeah. really great. What were we talking Absolutely. about? San Diego's sense of humor? Weren't we just talking yeah. about San Diego's sense of humor? Ah. That's funny. You know what's going to make me upset is as soon as we get off this call, I'm going to think of like 30 other bands and I'm like, oh my God. Why didn't I say that band? <laughs> I love that band. <laughs> and then there's like Kilt Wheel was a really good band. Well, here's the thing. We always do a playlist for these episodes uh, uh-huh. where... Oh, you're going to be inundated. We're going to send you like, it'll be <laughs> so, like tomorrow morning. And between between Mitch and me, <laughs> between the three of us, it'll probably be like... So send those, yes, send those to the Airbnb. Dig Me Out email address. And uh, I, w- I will happily add all those bands. Yeah. Do you have that list in front of you of the bands that the School of Rock kids are going to do the san diego thing because there were some really good things on that 
Let me let me see. I, I think I do. Hold on. Let me see. So I I'm a, I, I teach music at the School of Rock, and right now we're actually doing um, a Best of San Diego show. That's awesome. Which with all these, which is with kids, yeah. Right. With the, so the students are learning. We 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 curated like a set list that was basically like all of these really important bands that we could think of from who who were you know originally from from San Diego. So these so the kids would sort of be um, you know sort of exposed to and and learn about all these great bands that come from their hometown. Um, so yeah, I mean we've we've got. Uh, and everything, you know, from bands that we've mentioned to include like Frank Zappa and Tom Waits, which, you know, they're from here too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. we mentioned a lot of them. I, there's, Demand there's the <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, Battalion of Saints. That was. Oh, they were a San Diego band. Them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They were. Yeah. Um, I don't know. A lot of them we've mentioned. Okay. Magician, soft pack, sleeping people. Soft pack, sleeping people. Yeah. But uh, wait, are we talking about bands now or back this in the nineties? No, like, <laughs> so yeah, let's. Back, in, back uh, then. I know that. Um, yeah, this is magician. It's kind of a newer one. Yeah. I know you're not well, all yeah. in in the area anymore, but what's the What's the current status of the San Diego scene? Is there a scene still? Are there bands still gigging and 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 playing, or is it uh, quieter now? I think there's lots of bands still playing. I think the the tone has changed again. Now it's all like we were talking about before, like you know they're knocking down the Red Fox room, you know, an old piano bar that everybody used to hang out in to put up some fancy reclaimed wood walled you know, $50 cocktail bar. Yeah, they're moving the Red Fox room across the street. So it's not going to be part of the Lafayette Hotel anymore, which is ridiculous. But um, I I still have local bands because I I do music videos for a lot of the bands. And they're still playing. They're still trying to get out there. But it it just seems like it's harder now because there's way less sense of community. So, and San Diego's been kind of taken over by, by, you know, bro culture. <laughs> bro culture. <laughs> I don't know. I remember. Way, but, you know, I remember thinking that and this was this a nineties. This was this was a nineties like related story. So I don't feel bad telling it. But the uh, um, oh god the the what's the you're gonna have to help me though. What's the name of that bar that's like right next to the down at down by Gelato Vero, across the street next to the taco place? Oh, Bar Dynamite. To be, Bar Dynamite. Back when Bar Dynamite was owned by that like hilarious um, Korean lady who would force you to play Korean songs on the jukebox, uh-huh. and and that place. It was like I remember that moment in the '90s where it was like it was a like a fantastic shitty dive bar and then all of a sudden it seemed like overnight pb just started like like crept up the hill and started hanging out at bar dynamite and i remember Uh thinking right at that moment like oh shit here here it comes and then it just crept up the hill and like 
seeped into University Heights and then North Park, and then now it's just everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And now, and now none of the artists and musicians can afford to live anywhere. <laughs> but I think well, that's you know, right. which I think it, that's a huge, you know, that's, that's part of it. Like you were talking about before, like cost of living, like yeah. a lot of the bands were able to like be in those areas because it was cheap to be in those areas and now it's not. So yeah. how, that where, where are the band's going to go? So I got, yeah. uh, I got one, one quick thing to tell you regarding this topic um, uh, I'm, I'm visiting from South Korea, so I, I'm staying in this little hotel in Little Italy, which was back in the uh, early to mid-90s, a super charming part of downtown, close to uh, the Casbah where everybody played, uh, near downtown. And I lived in this house that was built in 1880-something, and it was a roach motel all the way. Uh, disgusting place. I used to wake up with roaches on me. But David Stampone, the writer, lived there for uh, for many years. Uh, Mitch Wilson lived there. I lived there. Uh, a lot of musicians lived there, right? So now they took half of that old house and turned it into a fancy wine bar that I had a glass of wine at the other night with Mitch. And, and, and built um, a high-rise above it and around it. Yeah, could, and that whole neighborhood. That, yeah, that whole neighborhood that used to be, you know, full of warehouses. Um, uh, Todd Swank had a big uh, warehouse for Tamietto. Uh, it was like a skateboard company, and uh, but now you know everything is. Um, yeah, talk about bro culture. Nothing but certain dudes with beards and tight suits walking around everywhere. <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> just bonkers, man. And everything yeah. costs so much money, but. It was bizarre for me and Mitch to be sitting in the place where we used to live in squalor, you know, drinking whatever, a $12 <laughs> glass of wine, you know, and being yeah. snooty and crap. It was just, and I think that yeah. just kind of tells the story of San Diego right there, you know. <laughs> that was that was a very surreal experience. That was very interesting. Well, there's the story of San Diego <laughs> in a nutshell. No. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. This was a great episode. We're we're over our hour mark, but that's okay. No, no, I mean, that's just a loose, you know. We like to keep it to an hour so that people don't. Uh, we've we've gone to right, like two and right. a half hours, and people are like, "Please, please." <laughs> I only have so much time in my life. You can't do this all the time. Yeah. Well, why don't yeah. you guys hang up, and the three of us will continue to reminisce. <laughs> I, I, I I might just uh, I'll just well, Jane. I'll just go and and do whatever we need to do, and you guys can just hang out and talk. Um, we'll go to yeah. that wine bar. Yeah. That's the problem with San Diego. Once we get to Jowen. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like, please share with our audience uh, what you're up to now. And, and if you want to share your socials for people to, to uh, you know, find you. If, if you don't, just say pass. <laughs> uh Araby, uh, what are you up to uh how can people uh find out what you're up to i'm you know to be honest i'm i would pass this because i'm not really up to anything like besides just teaching um musically so okay it's not very exciting gotcha <laughs> but you got school of rock which is awesome so i'm looking yeah. forward yeah, for my, great. Da- my no, daughter i mean it, it is awesome i i really enjoy because all this stuff that we talk about now like i get to share with these kids who are like hungry to start making their own music so it's it's great yeah mitch what are you up to you can check out my vimeo it's like vimeo.com slash lunar maps 
L-U-N-A-R-M-A-T-S. That's, uh, that's my page where I do like music video stuff. And then lunarmaps.photography on Instagram. Cause I've been, I've been doing more photo video stuff. Although I do have a band that I, that is self-produced record. We put out some vinyl and then, you know, as soon as we did that, we broke up, but that's <laughs> called lunar maps and it's just lunarmaps.bandcap.com. But that, that came out in 2011, you know, so but gotcha. that's it. Now I'm just working. I'm a dad. <laughs> I, I, we hear you. We hear you, John. Both, John, just just working so we can send those kids to uh, music lessons. Right, exactly. Know, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is not cheap, man. It's crazy. Oh, tell me about I it. Know. Oh no, we know. <laughs> but it's worth it. Mm. I got to yeah, start my own school. These days, man. Uh, John, you up to anything, John? or or uh, you, John? are you uh, passing? Oh no! Uh, uh, yeah, I have a, a group called The Air Below. Um, you can find us Spotify, Apple Music, all that kind of stuff. And it's a uh, it's a band with one of a miniatures, twelve drummers, uh, a guy named Dave West in Minneapolis. And uh, we also have a couple of guys from a, a band from La, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin called Space Bike, um, later Porcupine. Um, mm. And I was just in Minneapolis for a few weeks recording some new songs with those guys. So we should have a lot more music out soon. And that's The Air Below. Awesome. Air Your ass. Below. Well, we <laughs> need to thank um, Jeremy Amend, who was the one who actually suggested San Diego. Uh, one of our patrons. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, man. <laughs> and, and remind our listeners, if you go to Patreon via DMOUnion.com or DigMeOutUnion.com, you can Cutting join out. us for as little as two bucks a month to um, join the conversation, vote in our polls, listen to our other 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 monthly, what is it? If it's only do it every other month, it's not bi-monthly, is it? Tw- tw- six times a year? I don't know what it is. Our 80s episodes. <laughs> where, where we talk about the vapors and ACDC and that kind of stuff. So, uh, dig me out, Union or DMOUnion.com. And if you like what you heard, leave some positive feedback at iTunes. Thanks to this great roundtable crew. We loved having you. Um, check Thank out you our so much for having us. So absolutely. Fun. And we'll have a Spotify playlist with all of the bands you're going to send me. I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going to wrap it up for Jay. I'm Tim. We are out. We will be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. I'm cold, so cold, yeah, and my heart is black, I'm mean, I'm sick, oh yeah, I own a machete, I'm so mean.